All right, guys, welcome back to the Pod of Greed. A little bit later than usual this yeah. week. A day late, but we're still on time. Right. Alec was sick. Yeah, I didn't feel so hot. But I bounced back, and I'm here. I'm ready to pod. Yeah, we're happy to chat with you guys. Uh, it feels like it's been uh, a pretty pretty wild week. New band list uh, is probably the, the New- big thing. Yeah, yeah. I heard you guys. Y'all really like that, huh? It was. There were opinions on it. Uh, yeah, we were uh, traveling when this dropped, so like I didn't really get a chance to make a video on it. But um, yeah, so I guess let's hop right into that. Start with the most important news, ban list. Sure, so we've got a new ban list. Um, goes into effect on Monday, I believe. And this one is a pretty small one. So Kashtira Arise Heart was banned. Um, <sighs> that was the only banned card. The limited cards being um, Bestial or Bestial. I actually never know how it's pronounced. I call them Bestial. Yeah, I always say Bestial, but then some people say Bestial. Anyway, Bestial Magnamute and Chaos Space both were limited to one. And then um, some cards came off the list or like moved on the list back to three. That was Herald of Orange Light and Salamangrate Gazelle. And that was the list. Really small, uh, short, kind of minimalistic ban list. Um, of course, you know, they say on the site the next update will be in a few months. That's their new version. That verbiage. can be in a few months or a few more months yeah, or a few months. It could be December, months, January, yeah. February, who knows? A few. So, um, I don't know. I mean, what are we thinking about it? Well... I'm never happy to see Gazelle come to three. Well, you don't I, like Salamangrate. No, I did not. I do not like Salamangrates. Yeah, uh, I don't. I'm not gonna lie, guys. I don't have a whole bunch of an opinion on this list because I have not been playing enough. I think like Paper Yu-Gi-Oh to really know. You'll be what's... screaming ban Arise Heart when it comes to Master Duel. Yeah, I'll be. Yeah, that's when I'll start to care. But um, yeah, response to this list was not great. Um, by most people, people just seemed like they weren't satisfied. The general sentiment that I heard was, you know, where's the rest? Right. Like, well, like, oh, that's like, it. Did you, oh, they, they forgot to upload the rest of the list. Yeah, like it just lost. left the Konami offices somewhere. I I think that it is a very small band list. It's been a while since we've had one like this, this sort of minimalistic. It's not the shortest band list that we've ever had. I think Wait, we have had... the shortest? There was... Uh, there have been a couple. Uh, I remember I looked it up because I wanted to mention it, but there have been shorter ban lists. This is like top, like two, top three, like in terms of just minimal hits. Um, I think what a lot of people really wanted out of this list is two things. I think a new people. Format? Well, yeah. Uh, so I think people wanted more like Floodgate and kind of shutout cards to get banned. I know that a big conversation piece lately has been like Dimension Shifter, Eradicator Epidemic Virus, Dimensional Barrier. A lot of these cards that can kind of feel like blowouts. And then also I think that people just sort of want more stuff coming off the list. Like then that's almost a given in any yeah. list. It's like we just bring For me back me, this, that. I think that's the number one thing I look forward to in any band list is what's coming off. I agree. I think it's it's a kind of a, a thing because for more casual or kind of like just not entirely competitive types. Um, like Alec, like me, honestly, in some cases, and just there's more of them than you would think. I think it's more exciting to have stuff come off the list. It just kind of feels like, oh, my old deck that I liked that had something banned or limited on it is now like maybe more playable. Usually the stuff that comes off the list doesn't even end up really causing a lot of trouble, but it Mm -hmm. just means that like 
hey, I can play, you know, whatever again. Like, I remember the, the way back when Stratos actually, like, was, like, unbanned or unlimited or whatever. And, like, we missed you. That was, like, a huge thing. So, I guess let's break it down, though. We'll break down the cards. It'll take four minutes. It won't take long. So, Castera Rise Heart. Um, I'm not a fan of this card very much, just in general. And the reason I'm not a fan of it is actually a weird one, if you can believe it. And you might appreciate this. I won't. I'm not a fan of it because I actually really like what Castera represents, like, lore-wise. And I like the way that they kind of managed to capture their lore and the play style. Because, you know, they're supposed to be sort of pillaging planets for their resources and basically taking them over. And so whenever they lock out a zone, that's supposed to represent, like, taking over a planet. Whenever they banish your cards face down, that's supposed to be, like, they're, you know, plummaging, like, your resources, right? Then you just kind of see a rise heart, and it's just like, yeah, uh, this is just a big obnoxious boss monster. Like, it doesn't really, I feel like its effect doesn't, Really feel like it's like a Castera effect. Just feels like Would we you just kind of happier yeah. if it was more like Shangri La and it locked up more pieces of the board. Maybe I don't know. I, I guess I, I shouldn't really. Put it. <laughs> yeah, but either way, um, it's just Diablosis. Lord, I'm surprised that wasn't one of their like an on theme thing for them. Yeah, like I know people don't like this card. I think the main issue with Arise Heart was that it um it was really like. It's a, it was a stacked it, card. It warped, it's, it's a stacked card and warped the format around itself was kind of my understanding. When I got to speak with a lot of players, like at Worlds, uh, some of the top players were just saying, like, it just, it's just not a pleasant card because it kind of means, can your deck play with a Rise Heart on the field? Like, can it deal with a Rise Heart? And if it can't, then your deck likely can't compete. And um, It took the concept of a floodgate on legs and kind of jacked it up to an 11. Yeah, it, it's it's buffed Dark Law, right? Because like it's like, oh yeah, I walk around, I'm a floodgate. Oh, I also interact with your, I interact with your opponent, interact with yeah, your like opponent. I can like, banish on, things, I grab new materials. Three K, three K, like you know, that's yeah, nothing to scoff it, at. It's really rough. It's hard to swing over. It's just a really difficult card to deal with. Um, as for like you know how what that does to Kashira, my assumption is that Kashira itself can still be played. I think if they had gone the extra mile and hit. Castera Fenrir, that might have changed that, but Fenrir is actually still at three. That was one of the ones that I kind of wanted to see get hit. I think the card's a bit loaded. But without a Rise Heart, what's the point? I don't know. I'm it's interested like, in seeing if, if people even like do anything with Castera. A Rise Heart looks so cool. He does look cool. Why did they have to overtune it? Yeah, that is a thing with Konami, is that you can sometimes read these cards and they just they tune them so high. And then they have to get banned. And now it's, it's like, like, you know. Why couldn't it have been tuned in such a way where, like, it could be limited and we'd be fine? They tried limiting it. wasn't enough. No, no. Not a rise heart. Because cash tier resor- cards are resources no matter where you put them. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. But I am glad it got banned. I know there were some people who actually were unhappy that it did. Although, those that seems to be the minority of opinions. I mean, they were probably, like, diehard cash tier players, right? Yeah, so that's uh, and then so the bestial hits. My assumption around that is just that like, the Dragonlink deck's been around for a few years, and it it, it grows, it changes, it uh, evolves. But most recently, it, you know, was on the the front stage at at Worlds, right? Polyarens and one with it. Not the same format, but there just tends to be a trend in Yu Gi Oh of the deck that wins. World tends to just kind of get hit across the formats. So, um, 
Not surprised to see this. Uh, it's a consistency hit more so than like a outright power hit. Like, though, what's interesting is the those two cards are cards that Dragon Link got access to in the last kind of three years ish. Mm-hmm. So, the core of the deck is still very much there. And the thing about it is, all that deck does is wait for new cards to add, right? Yeah, so, there will always be a new dragon yeah, at some point. Soon they're going to get new cards to replace them, and it'll be the same deck doing the same things. Yeah, so I don't have a really strong opinion on it. I just think that it's kind of one of those about time things, I guess. Konami felt like now it's time to pull the trigger. And those are the only hits yeah. in this balance. That's those three cards were the only hits. So nothing to, uh, you know, some people wanted maybe Runic to get hit. Some people thought Brandon might get hit because it's just existed kind of in the top tier space for so long thought maybe like branded is strong branded fusion or something but nah konami doesn't really seem to think that's too much of an issue and based on tournament results as of you know these last few weeks it branded isn't really you know dominant or even super present so like we all know it's a strong deck but uh is it weird to call branded fair (laughs) Yeah, it's it's weirdly fair, and that's like strange to say because like it's a deck that can really it's got a lot of steam and fuel, but you know it doesn't really put up Omni negates. So and then they they banned uh, what is the card branded expulsion. So like you know, and it does have polarizing matchups. Branded has matchups that's really good in, and then it has matchups where it, it kind of suffers. Yeah, it suffers. I know that some people talk about how the deck is so predicated on branded fusion, and that's. Good and bad for it. Because Brand of Fusion is an extremely loaded card, but then it means like you got some susceptibility to like Ash Blossom. So I don't know. I uh I guess like Konami deemed it okay. You could argue that maybe the Bestial Magnamoot hit is vaguely a branded hit as well, since they do use the yeah, card. But they can do Bestial things. So I mean that's the, all that got hit. Uh nothing to Pirelli, nothing to Pirelli don't deserve a hit. I don't think they do either, but to be clear, like I thought that they might hit it just simply on the basis of like it's one of the upper tier decks. But um yeah, they didn't hit it, so it's all right. Uh and they didn't hit floodgates and stuff that people wanted hit. And I think that's maybe where the conversation gets a little bit more like intense. Yeah. Floodgates are something that uh when you lose to a floodgate, it feels really bad because Floodgates say you can't do something. Yeah. And that and typically they're, they're stopping you from doing the thing you want to do the most. So when you lose, those worse feel the most bitter. I think also Floodgates have taken on this new role in modern Yu-Gi-Oh! Where like because the game itself is quite fast, the game's in pretty quickly, and so much is predicated on that first turn, the fact that Floodgates can effectively turn off a turn makes them, like, proportionately stronger than they might have been, like, say, um, 10 years ago, right? That's true. The longer a duel goes, the less effective a floodgate has been. Yeah, or at least the less effective it feels. Like, because technically, you know, floodgate's always going to kind of be there causing you trouble, but it's just that with Yu-Gi-Oh!, there's no real cost to flipping up there can be only one or D barrier. Just one card. You just kind of, you flip it, and there's no resource or anything tied to it. There's no cost tied to it. You flip it, and then, like, it just, it's causing trouble. And your opponent kind of has to immediately answer, and if they can't, then they lose, and it doesn't feel fun. So I see why people want the floodgates hit. My suspicion, though, has always been, and this isn't, like, a justification. It's just a it's perspective. A, it's a juxtaposition. As I think Konami keeps the stuff around because, like, it makes it where, like, 
newbies and like more kind of casual or middling types can just use floodgates and get some results. Mm-hmm. And I know people are going to hear that and be like, well, that's not like fair or whatever, but I think that's what it is. That's my theory. Cause like you can flip a D barrier and maybe get a win off the good players at your shop every now and again, you're not going to win the tournament, but you might get a win and that at least feels decent. So, I mean, now, but people have won tournaments with D barrier. I mean, it is a strong card. Yeah. But I guess the idea is these are cards that while strong, they can't protect themselves. Mm-hmm. There's no defense for them. This isn't like, it's a little different than something like, uh, like anti-spell fragrance, which hinders your ability to get rid of it just a little since it's like, oh, you got to set your spells. Now, most yeah. things that you play are quick play, so that's kind of fine. But, you know, floodgates can't protect themselves. I think they're worse on monsters that have extra effects, Arise Heart. Um, yeah, I think Konami kind of tends to have this view, and I've begun to sort of see it, if, if it's even true, of like, you know, these strong spells and traps tend to get hit less than, like, strong monsters do in this game. And I think it's because monsters have legs and, like, you know, particularly in the case of extra deck monsters, can kind of come out of nowhere. Whereas, like, floodgates do have to be drawn. They do have to, some in most cases, be, like, set. They they are susceptible in some way to, like, removal or kind of being telegraphed. So, I don't know. I mean, like, some people are going to sit here and they're going to think, like, oh, Paul just likes floodgates. I really don't. I just, I think, like, Konami has, they've kind of drawn their line of, like, these are okay because they are, if you know, like, fundamentally defensive cards. Fundamentally, like, they have to, floodgates are, are almost always kind of driver or passenger seat things. Like, the combo deck is kind of in the driver's seat, and it's trying to mm-hmm. dictate, you know, how fast we play and what we do. And the floodgates are kind of just there to say, like, wait, no, slow down. Speed bumps. But, yeah, they're sort of like speed bumps, but effectively, like, just flipping dimensional barrier does not actually force you to like sign that match slip, right? But I think I have for to, like, a lot play of people, after it, so. if they see the D barrier get flipped, they start signing the match slip anyway. I do think mentally that's a there's a conversation about that where like people mentally fold and like tilt to the cards. There was a really good uh, tweet uh, by like Trishla TTV. You guys might know him, um, but either way, he's. Like, he's in that Masterful Invitational. But, uh, yeah, he just was kind of tweeting about how, like, he actually thinks that things like Mystic Mine and um, other certain other floodgates can actually be more healthy, interesting, and interactive than they're given credit for. But just that modern Yu-Gi-Oh! in some ways doesn't allow those sort of things to flourish. One, like, good point he made on Mystic Mine was mystic mind is interesting and i never had viewed it this way and i'm not saying this is like bring back mystic mind it'll be perfect you heard that but you heard that clip if it you think about mystic mind and how it works once mystic mind hits the field it kind of ensures that in most scenarios neither player will actually ever like win or lose like the game state can't really change a lot what can happen is just the turns pass both players kind of fix their hands as those turns pass and you're forced to just draw and discard and all that and until you draw your spell trap removal or whatever you're out to it is, you just won't be able to like really advance your board state. But also neither will your, will your opponent. And so in theory, you could actually wait until like a deck out. You, if you know you're running MST, you could wait the 17 turns you need to eventually draw it, pop it, and then kill them on that turn. But what sort of impedes that is the, the time, so end of match procedures, 
where you just, if Yu-Gi-Oh! was a game with infinite amounts of time, then you would always just wait out Mystic Mind until you see you're out, just absolutely. But you can't really do that in a tournament setting, and so, like, it's kind of complicates it a little bit. There's, it's a whole thing. I would check his Twitter out if you guys want a, a more detailed kind of explanation. I don't want to, like, put words in his mouth. And again, it doesn't, like, make Floodgate suddenly fun to play against. I'm just, you know, it's it's a perspective. You know a Floodgate? And th- this Floodgate, I think, um, puts every other Floodgate that you can even possibly mention right now in perspective. Mm-hmm. Vanity's emptiness. How do you mean? So, what advantages, what advantages emptiness do, Paul? What, like, hypothetically. I yeah, I mean, I guess the idea like, is it stops the special summons. And yeah, it stops special summons. Mm-hmm. To me, like, there's no more impactful floodgate than that. Yeah. I think in second place is Macro Cosmos and any card that's similar to Macro. Yeah. And then maybe I Skill think, Drain, I'd say, at third. But yeah, I, I put definitely put Skill Drain in third. But I, I honestly think... Maybe I'd switch him, I don't know. Anyway. As long as Emptiness is banned... I think Konami has been pretty fair about floodgates. Do you? Okay. If if emptiness is like is like a ten in the floodgate category. Yeah. I really don't think the next floodgate's a nine or even an eight. Oh, that's a hot take. I mean, yeah. I so I think that I mostly agree. I think that the top two kind of most obnoxious floodgates of all time, we'll say. Are vanity slash oppression just because they're functionally quite similar? Like royal oppression, that's that's an old one. Most people listing might not. I even never really even remember. think about royal oppression. Yeah, it's so old for so long. But like vanities slash oppression, and then like imperial order. Imperial order, I think they 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 are tied for top two. Like truly, just most obnoxious. You know, imperial order in many cases floodgating the outs to itself. You know, so. But all those cards are. Bad. But they're banned. So. I think Konami has gotten rid of the most egregious stuff, and we've been left to deal with ones that are, like, obnoxious, but technically can be, like, sometimes played around or anticipated or whatever, so maybe they... I had a po- I had an opponent uh, flip Gozen on me the other day, and I was just like, well, played around that. Yeah, and, like, sometimes you can play around them. It's just that, again, Yu-Gi-Oh! in the modern day, it just it moves fast, and there's kind of an expectation that, like, if you're not gassing it immediately, that you're probably losing. So, uh, can you imagine if we had vanities or imperial order right now? Yeah, I think like those would be. That certainly is bannable stuff. So that'd be pain. Now, as for um, what else could have come back? Because I think that's another sort of part of the ban list thing. Like, people want more things back. Harp Horror has got to be coming soon. Like, I know that thing's been banned for so long, and it's in Master Duel at like two or three, and no one plays Orcus. So is I know that there's the only like one Orcus to one. card that's banned. Yeah, that's the only Orcus thing that's like on the list still. I mean, unless you count like, I guess Nightmare Mermaid. Oh but, no, we don't. But like, I we think don't. like with Harp Horror, um, it could come back to one. Like, I don't know why Konami is so. It is a little strange to there. have just like one card in an archetype. Just sitting on the ban list. And, and it and, feels so dated. Yeah, it just hasn't been relevant in some years now. Particularly because they have been like kind of slowly moving Sky Strikers off the list. And like um, they've been slowly kind of like I guess with Salamangrace, they've been kind of slowly moving Mirage Stallio and now like Gazelle. 
And those all came from that same era, and yet Orcist and Thunder Dragons have because their... Did Gazelle go from one to three? Or it went from two one to three. three. Oh, I think, wow. Actually, was it a two? Some one there. I, can't I don't remember. remember. If it went to two or not. It's kind of funny because I think that actually goes to show you how like unremarkable these archetypes feel today. Like no one really. I don't remember if Gazelle was at one or at three or what. Again, it doesn't. I know at matter. one. I know like, it was definitely at one. At one. I point. think it was at one. I think so. I just wonder if it went to two. I, it, I mean, it doesn't make a huge difference. Yeah, I guess either way. Salamangrates might be like a little better now. You know, strikers have kind of slowly gotten a few things back, so they could be better. But like. Harpoor, I think, deserves to join that list of things that can come back. And frankly, um, I mean, even Thunder Dragon Colossus these days, I know some people ask for it back. Not me, but some people do. I wish I could have Colossus back for Thunder Dragons, but sadly, it would just end up being a piece on a combo like Dex board. Yeah, and thanks to that one thing, uh, what are those cards called? The Nemesis Corridor and all that, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, thanks to that, like any deck can kind of run Thunder Dragon Colossus, and so that wouldn't be great. What Thunder Dragon Colossus, frankly, needs to me is just like an errata of some kind, just to prevent it from being summoned in like non Thunder Dragon decks. You could take a few routes towards how you want to handle that, but like, because I mean, like, it's not. I was about to say it's not the worst thing to play, like. Floodgate monster control, but then again, Kashtira did that quite well. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's like it would be. It's kind of ironic. It's like okay, we banned a Rise Heart, but here's Colossus back. So yeah, I think like they, they're probably right to just keep Colossus banned. But it's like it does having suck. like walking floodgates. I just don't think they're great. They just not. Yeah, they're never really a lot of fun. And also, Colossus is one of those ones that can sort of self-protect a little bit. So Yeah. It's even yeah, harder. Yeah, but most of, of ways around it is just it can be difficult when it's saying you can't search to, to find your eye. Yeah, to find the Yep, yep, yep. That's nasty, nasty. Um, so that's the list. I mean, is what it is, I guess. Like, we're, we're stuck with it. So hopefully people can. I'll, I'll give it this. This is one positive thing. One. I think with yeah, this is the only, in my opinion, like purely positive thing, everything else is like up open to interpretation, is that at least with a rise heart out of the game, a lot of decks can finally like kind of crawl out from under you know the floorboards and like do something again. There were certain decks that just could not function with a rise heart in the field, and even certain cards that were effectively defunct, like Ultimate Slayer and Forbidden Droplet, uh, yeah, Ooh, where you nothing. just could not actually activate them while a rise heart's on the board, and that. It's a waste of a deck slot. It means it's the card is dead, and so, you know. But that wasn't the only ban list we got this past week. Oh, it wasn't? Okay. We also got a Duel Links ban list. Hmm. boy. Let's hear about this. So, so, there were people who were upset that after, like, Worlds and Duel, and Duel Links, we didn't actually get a ban list. I, it seems they're waiting for the KC Cup to end. Because almost as soon as it ended, we got a list. As a fun cue. And if I could just get these ads off my screen. All right, here we go, here we go, here we go. And more cards move than in the TCG. Yeah, I, I remember I spotted, I saw this ban list um, just in passing on like my Twitter feed or whatever. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of changes if I'm reading this correctly. So there's three main hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, shooting Riser Dragon goes from unlimited to limit one. Okay. And a uh, shooting riser dragon was a part of the, uh, I mean, it should have been a part of a starter deck, a stardust deck, but instead odd eyes was using it to make Trishla zero during their opponent's turn. Wow. Okay. And, uh, Trishla that, zero. Yeah. 
Dear new God. One. Okay. Anyway, continue. So yeah, that enabled Odd Eyes to stay very meta relevant for I think longer than they'd actually expected it to. So it went to limit one, which means that you can you can only run one limit one card in your entire deck. And I promise you, Odd Eyes players are not gonna use it on shooting Rice or Dragon. Yeah, okay. Uh next card, uh Dragon Pit Magician goes to limit three. From like not unlimited. Being, okay. So Dragon Pit Magician to limit three. At first, everyone's like, well, that's uh, not great because I was only running, like, one or two Dragon Pits to begin with. Just to be clear, guys, Dragon, Dragon Pit is the vanilla Pendulum Magician that uh, has the effect, it's pe- the Pendulum effect to discard a card and um, destroy a spell or a, trap, uh, spell I believe. Trap. Yeah, yeah, okay. So a lot of people weren't even running three, so at first they thought, well, that's not, not that big of a deal. But you know what else is on limit three hmm. for that deck? Pendulum Call. Ah, so they're basically, see, that's always the fun with those, like, the whole, like, limit two, limit three system and stuff, is you can kind of ensure that people have to make choices with deck building. Mm -hmm. So it's not that, like, the cards are banned, but rather that, like, okay, if I want to run Pendulum Call, then I can do, like, one Pendulum Call and, like, two Dragon Pit or, you know, or vice versa or something, but, like, ultimately they are limited to a total of three and... That's in addition to any other cards that are on limit three, so... If you want to max out on consistency... You run your three dragon calls and run no dragon pits. But one of the strengths of the Odd Eyes deck was having on-demand spell and trap removal. Yeah. So I think most people are probably going to settle on like a two-and-one. We do have Wisdom Eye in the deck, so you should be able to get into the scales that you need when you need them. Okay. Next on limit three is Destiny Hero Malicious. Oh, okay. So D heroes have performing quite. Have they been performing quite well? Yeah, there's one I've heard a little bit about. Is there a skill that like just starts you with a malicious engrave and like a poly on your field or something? Yeah, there's a crazy skill. That's Everybody's insane. got crazy skills in dual links. Yeah, okay. And anyway. they seem a little reluctant to change certain skills, but that might change in the future. I won't. I won't like put, draw a line in the sand and say they never change skills because they have in the past, and I, I think they will in the future. But yeah, Malicious goes to limit three, which hampers your ability to max out on Maliciouses. There's plenty of cards in the limit three category that you might want to run in your deck. And technically, at least in the TCG, we've learned you can get by with two. Right. And those are it for all of our cards that actually, oh, wait, 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 was one more hit. Lady Debug went from limit three to limit two. Oh, what? So is there like a major um No, actually I actually don't know that hit. That one I don't quite know. Okay. It's it's a cybers thing, but I don't know what deck that actually was relevant in. Okay. But a bunch of cards actually uh came off the list. Okay. So Thunder Dragon Dark went from limit three to unlimited. Okay. Mech Knight Indigo Eclipse went from limit two to unlimited. Mm-hmm. Ritual Beast Tamer Elder went from limit one to limit two. Oh, no. Went from limit three to unlimited. Yeah. Madolce Petting Sessor from limit one to limit two. Moonlight Yellow Martin from limit three to unlimited. Tatsunoko, the same. Dark Contract with the Gate, the same. Speedroid Fuki Madoshi Piper went from limit two to unlimited. Speedroid Double Yo-Yo from two to unlimited. And Farfa, Malbranch of the Burning Abyss, from 2 to Unlimited. Okay. So a bunch of decks got cards just completely off the list, which is huge because as you as we talked about before, 
when you get put on a dual links ban list, it's not that you can't run the card. It makes you have to make some like decision decision and like concession in your deck building. When cards go unlimited in dual links, it's huge for decks because you have yeah, more really copies of them up the deck and building. less decision making. Yeah, that's interesting. I never really thought about it that way, but yeah, all these cards going off. I guess it means like Duel Links has had a real meta shift then. Oh, yeah. Power creep. Crazy. Yeah. Power creep and stuff. Because, I mean, if this many cards can just go off, you know, ironic that in the TCG, that's kind of what we're always begging for. It's like, unlimit this, unban this. And like in in Duel Links, they effectively seem like they've done that. Is there anything that feels like it like maybe should have gotten hit that didn't? Like, I I know people are still talking about like tunes is like a new thing that people don't really like. But but it's tunes are very new. Okay. The, um, I don't know what you would point the band stick at right now because our good decks feel too new to be hit right now. Mm-hmm. And one of the decks that people were the most upset with the odd eyes raging pendulum deck. I mean, they gave it, they, they hit it. So maybe, maybe it needs to be hit again. I don't know. Yeah. yeah time will tell. Cause I mean, all you, they hit a ceiling for the deck, but the deck has multiple ceilings. So right, it might just yeah. push through that. So Odd Eyes may need another hit. Uh, to be clear, guys, I hope it doesn't. I like Odd Eyes. Yeah. I um, I mean, like, you know, as somebody who doesn't really play Duel Links, I'm always kind of fascinated to hear, I guess, just what what sort of cards can be considered, like, problematic or troublesome in Duel Links. Because I'll just be like, hearing these cards, like, oh, wow, that's, like, limited two, or that's, like, limited one. Now, they didn't do what we um, kind of expect in the TCG. They didn't hit the decks that were um, seen at uh war at worlds that made it to the finals because mm-hmm. that would have been what speedroids and like rockets like we saw rockets speedroids heroes oh yeah i remember the yeah. heroes were a part destiny heroes were, were in it though but one, the, one of the guys played destiny heroes and like yeah you're goals. right you're right destiny heroes were there but like you know rockets didn't get a hit yeah they got a hit maybe not considered to be too troublesome so, but like they have a multitude of data that they can use to like back up the decision making. They don't. They don't have to just pick the things that make us the player feel good. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me a lot of like the master duel thing. Like they've got all the information. The Yu-Gi-Oh TCG is oftentimes working a little bit less on unlike less information. So, but you know, I fully expect for um, Black Cluster Soldier tunes. Yeah, just I expect for those decks to get hit in some way, whether that be a reworking of their skills or cards just go outright end up on the ban list. I think it'll happen eventually, but I mean, we saw how long odd eyes went without getting any like significant hits. So it, it can be a while before that happens. Yeah. I guess, um, in the master duel world, not a lot, but they did release, um, a couple new packs. Like there's like the B trooper cards kind of got re-released in a pack. Yeah, they finally on. gave you the ninja, deck the ninja structure deck is finally in master duel uh, yeah you gotten to play with it yeah. yet yeah I, I, I play a little bit play a little yeah bit. how's what are your thoughts how you like it so, alec has um, been looking forward to these ninjas in master duel for a while and that's they have, because paul told me like two months ago that they were coming to duel links and it's yeah, duel links or, or master duel right master right, duel yeah. master it duel. took this sweet time releasing them even though like people had found leaks or whatever in the game's files that they were there like two but i mean they back, were releasing in a good state i mean it came with a you know, I got I was able to get a Hanzo mate. I got the deck box, you know. Mm-hmm. And the the star deck itself comes with every single ninja you could need or want, 
really yeah, it's really crazy 1500 gems and you just get like a complete deck 1500 you get three copies of pretty much everything the only things you won't have are more tech choices the core of the deck like you can get 40 cards out of that like for sure so how have you been liking it so i really i mean i like the ninja deck i've always liked it and um one of the challenges I had with it playing it in reality and like t- you know paper Yu-Gi-Oh was the deck is so flexible it was it wasn't always easy to see where my like what plays I could make to take myself out of a disadvantageous position into an advantageous one but Master Duels and it procs you for like every option that you have especially you know whether especially if you're on like manual chaining it's really opened up the deck for me Okay. Um, I'm I'm able to see and make plays that I never I never even knew was possible in the paper version of the game. Mostly because I just don't read cards, and so when you don't read cards, you don't even think things are possible. But uh, that changes on Mastodon. I've because I take long breaks in Mastodon. This is like the fifth time I've had to rank up from rookie. Um, yeah, that's always its own experience. But yeah, I've uh, ranked up into like mid gold. I'm I'm gonna keep going. I'm I'm gonna keep going. Of course, I enjoy playing a deck, and um, it's it's been a good time. Um, lots of people play uh self burn decks in the low ranks. Yes, I always thought those have kind of disappeared. But I've also been like, I mean, you've been up. In I've like been in like diamond, diamond and stuff and, and master and all like back and forth for so long. For so many, just it'll be strange for you to. Run I don't into think that anyone's deck. gonna be playing that in diamond. But for some reason, like. I'll, I'll bump it. See, I bumped into plenty of them in rookie. I bumped, I bumped into plenty of them in bronze. What was strange to me was I bumped into a self burn deck in their rank up game, and they were uh, just in like gold five. I still don't know why those like. By the way, for context, people, there's like bot. Like, people kind of just play like run self burn bot, and I guess they just do it to just quickly farm get their materials. To but you don't get like. I don't really know you what all you get. For losing, I guess right? you get a little bit for losing, and maybe it's to do like your dailies, and I guess just get the gems that way, and you can set the game alone and just. I'm always like, gonna just always th- dumb. Master Duel does not have enough game modes, so ranked is pretty much the only game mode. If yeah. you're not pushing your rank, what are you doing? I've always kind of felt like Master Duel does need to do a little bit more in that department. Like agreed. They added that casual mode. It's not great it i think the biggest issue with casual mode first and foremost is like that you don't actually get any rewards for it like it's pure like i think if you could at least complete your dailies like oh get this many like activate five spells today activate mm-hmm. five traps special summon five times like if you could at least get those from playing casual mode there would probably be more incentive to play it but also like it's not really its own format it's just kind of the wild wild west I find that, like, you might still run into somebody playing, you know, some top-tier thing just to piss people off and troll and, like, whatever. Um, But then also, like, you'll find... I don't know. I think they need to flesh it out a bit more. I don't know exactly what the answer to that is, so I'm not going to pretend to be, like, armchair dev here. But more game modes would be nice. a little more to do. They are running now. Right now, their second event of the month is happening. It's the... uh, Fusion and Xyz Festival. Mm-hmm. And typically I find those like festivals to be a uh, a pretty nice diversion. This one's fun. Although like I've played a lot of branded decks so far. Because, you know, it's like only Fusion and Xyz Monsters. So people will always kind of play the strongest option. I think they could have maybe afforded to hit the branded deck a little bit for this event. 
My but. new uh, Konami conspiracy theory is they love branded and will never hit it. I'm starting to kind of think so. I mean, Master Duel in general has hit branded a fair bit, and all those hits still apply. But it's just like, I don't know, Brandon's one of those decks where it's just gotten so much support that it's hard to, like, truly hit the thing because there's just always substitutes. They can always run something new. Like, I remember when they first started, like, doing, like, fusion deployment into Blazing Cartesia, and I was just like, oh, God, oh, yeah, it's like, like another way to do that. And, yep, and it just... So there's always, like, these little things that they can do and kind of stick around, but... Speaking of branded... I have to say that this has actually been my most interesting rank up to and through gold. I've done this a few times now, but never have I been like kind of hit with strong decks the same way I was in both bronze, silver, and gold. What sort of decks? I've played against at least six pearly decks in the low ranks. I was very surprised by that. Yeah, it's a new one, so I guess people are trying it out. I was like, I've played against quite a bit of Pearly. I've played against Branded, and I've played against, um, I'm forgetting a deck. Maybe uh, Makonko at all? Labyrinth? Oh, I played, Makonko, is, is Makonko considered strong? I, I played uh, against like it. It's okay. I mean, it shows up. I, I played against two Makonko decks. They both surrendered after I flipped their stuff face down, which is a very fun <laughs> game mechanic. Um... I played against, uh, what was that other deck you mentioned? I don't know, maybe Labyrinth. Lab. Yeah. I played against the world's worst Lab deck. Um, it was a Labyrinth deck because they activated, they tried to activate Ku Clock and I negated it. At least I think that was Ku Clock. It was one of those furnitures. But then, like, the car, I was popping his back row and I hit uh, Mirror Force. And, um, oh, that, that, some old trap. Old I mean, sometimes people will run Mirror Force in there. I've just I've never been a fan. I mean, I always like, like quaking. Mirror Force was the best be of better. the traps he was running. Mm. He was running a lot of like really niche stuff that did nothing. I mean, it likely was just because if you're like you know in silver, people probably just can't afford it yet with their like crafting. Like so, they yes. just have to run like compulse and that kind of thing because yep. it's what they've got. My thing is like, why not just make a fresh start a fresh account? They load That's you up true. I, I know people also do the kind of fresh account method of getting decks like that. I played against that deck was not good. But I, what was the other good deck I played against? Oh, I had to play against Virtual World. Did not enjoy that one bit. Yeah, that's it's not really a fun deck. I had a weak hand. I interacted with them once, and then they started. They just kind of kept comboing. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, you know. Whenever Master Duel releases a new deck and it's like fun, that's some of the best grinding time. Like you, you, you really get a deck you like. Mm-hmm. It makes that grind so much more fun compared to like when it's a deck that's just like, eh, I'm kind of just clocking in here. I never know if I'm playing against Kashtira because everyone plays Fenrir. Yep, you'll never know. Like I'm just like, is this really Cash or not? And you can never really decide how to deal with it because like sometimes it's like if they're playing Kashtira, then there's kind of one way to deal with it. If they're not. Like you never know if that Fenrir is going to search another Fenrir or if it's going to search, like, a unicorn. And that, like, kind of can determine a lot. And you like, don't know if, like, birth's in their hand. And It's like, so, you know, if you use the Ash here, you don't have it later. It's a whole thing. Or they might just, like, do Fenrir and it's just kind of a bait for your Ash. And they transition to a completely different strategy. And it it's can very, happen. Very wild. But, yeah, that's the Master Duel scoop. Uh, right now, I as for me, I'm kind of trying to play, like, Generators in the festival. Got a little sick of it. Switched back to Rika. But um, it's been fun. I mean, the festival itself is fine. I just like I'm not very good. I'm not great with generators, and I don't think that even if you are, that they're like the strongest thing out there. So, you know, I played against a generator deck. It beat me. 
Yeah, so, I mean, generators are fun. I'm hoping to learn more about them. I, I'm still, like, kind of in the process of that. So, any other Yu-Gi-Oh? I think there's been a few, like, little announcements I've seen here and there. Um, uh, let's see. What you got? Because I don't got that. I'm trying to kind of just go off the top of my head. So, today they announced uh, Maze of Millennia. Oh, yeah, with the new Illusion card. That's all I know about the set. Yeah, it's kind of, I guess, the sequel to Maze of Memories. is going to be coming out in January of next year. Um... Yeah, they announced like that new. There's like new illusion card, um, the pyro search spell. I forget oh, what the card is called. Burn no something torch kindle whatever. But like, I forgot. No, I forgot. yeah. Either way, it's that normal spell. That's like a, a pyro monster sort of search spell. Yeah, it search is a level four lower pyro. What is it called? Yeah, I don't remember. Um, I, yeah, I just. But that's in there. There's um. A couple other cards that are going to be getting imported. There's like that one trap, uh, transaction rollback, which like lets you copy the effect of a trap in your grave or something. Oh, I don't, I don't know about. I that believe I, I've only read it once, but uh. Oh, I remember it now. Yeah, I remember thinking about labyrinth when I read it, and I was like, oh god. So like that's kind of that they announced that that's coming out. Um, There's a flame swordsman in that set. Is there? Yeah, I saw okay. the picture. I don't know what the card is. I still saw the picture. Yeah, so that's all like stuff that's coming out. Um, trying to think, any other news? So YCS uh, Cancun was last weekend. Mm-hmm. It kind of got, I think, overshadowed because the ban list dropped like that Friday, so people weren't as concerned with the results of it. But, but people were complaining that that what the uh, the day it finished. Yeah, Fluandres won, and um, you know, in typical fashion. It, <laughs> Gamers are such complainers. Like I, you know, we we just always have this thing where we're always you know, mad about something. It's just like, and and that's not like saying like I'm exempt or you're exempt, but just like, you know, sometimes a deck will win, and it's just like, man, this deck hasn't really done anything in the last like six months, but we're back to complaining about it because it won. Yep. Like it's kind of interesting because like now people are like, oh, see, they should have hit Harpy's Featherstorm and um, you know, Flandry's map and like all these cards stuff. So, I don't know. I think, like, it's a hot take, but not maybe that hot of a take. Wanderers is harder to, like, play, I think, now than people give it credit for. Since they don't mean? have Just the... Just keep normal summoning. Yeah, since they don't have the wind like barrier statue. Door. It's like a rush duel. Yeah, since they don't have the wind barrier statue anymore, I do think Wanderers have to actively kind of work for wins. And I know we're going to hear that. I'm like, no, they don't. It's brain dead easy. But, I don't know. You go try winning YCS with it. So, um... I think what the most popular deck in top thirty two was Castera. Yeah, Castera kind of last hurrah. Return to form. Yeah, kind of for its final event. Um, Unchained still very popular thing. Um, it's kind of the deck to beat. And Flanderies, I think, having such a pretty solid matchup against it um, means that you know it's it was well equipped to beat the that deck. So will that remain for the rest of the format? Who's to say? But the new list goes into effect soon. Um, it's next like Monday or whatever. So events will be changing. And there's been a lot of YCS events that have been announced. I have seen that. So what deck are you playing for the new format? Oh, like hell, I'm not playing the new format. <laughs> I'm not playing any of it. I mean, I'm going to be playing Master Duel. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, like, I've kinda, I don't want to I'm going to take up. that hoodie away from you. I feel like it's poisoned you. Yeah, I wore this hoodie and now I'm uh, just a Master Duel simp. But like, I don't know. I mean, I don't really care to play competitive paper Yu-Gi-Oh. I love playing it like. With friends, like, I, I'll build decks and, like, you know, play like, just the kitchen table kind of Yu-Gi-Oh. When was the last time we played Yu-Gi-Oh? Uh, for a video? 
recently. Wow. I don't know. But wow. yeah, like it's just, I don't know. Masterville's easy. I don't have to put my shoes on. <laughs> I could just, you know, just sit and, I don't know. Like, I, I, you know, good luck to the people who are like kind of making their way through this, these trying times of advanced format. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I'm just like just going full boomer or something, but like, I think we got to get some alternative formats in this game. I, I, I think that it's a, like with, uh, the whole advanced format thing, like you either love it or you hate it, and it, it just there's not like a much of an in between, mm-hmm. and that sucks that there isn't an alternative for people who don't like it. Because I totally understand that like some people think that this like Yu Gi Oh is fine right now and it's okay and it's okay like it's in a good place, and to those people, good. I don't like you know think that you are wrong for yourself. Like if if you're enjoying these YCS events and like. The way the format's kind of unfolding, you know, Unchained, whatever. Yeah, speak your truth. That's good, like right? Like, speak your truth. Live your truth. You know, I love that for you, (laughs) as people would say. But I just, I think that we've got to have some sort of a rotation thing or some lower power format or, you know, one idea that somebody had told me a while back was, like, maybe YCS should, like, run, like, two main events and one is advanced and then one maybe rotates between, like, Speed Duel, Edison... You know, something like that. It's it just it just feels rough that Konami kind of they have these half these like alt formats that are either player run or like they they don't seem like they're fully willing to commit to them. And so, I think a goat YCS would be funny, and like for the feature matches, it's just the same mirror match over. And yeah, that over. might get dull. I think there's a reason goat kind of fell out of popularity compared to Edison. Edison just got a, a broader kind of amount of things that you can do and explore there are a lot of relevant decks in that format but i think that's like pretty much the Yu-Gi-Oh news um if we miss something you know you guys can sort of let us know it's the ban list has kind of been the talk of the town so uh i think we'll we'll probably have new uh Oh news uh coming out this weekend oh yeah and uh this deck came out crimson king structure oh yeah that's the king himself yeah, this is out. Um, it's back, Jack. What I like, so I'm gonna be doing. We're gonna do an opening of this, like right after we record this. But the boxes are smaller. It's kind of cute. They're just these small, eco-friendlier boxes that are. Uh, see, I, I don't know. This thing is too small. Like, like, if I can grip it like this, I mean, come on, man. Like, why? Like, no, I'm keeping this one. So, uh, yeah, that, that's cool. I'm gonna see what I can do with Crimson King. Maybe I'll build a little Jack deck. Have some fun. Absolute back, Jack. Okay, I think that's actually everything for Yu-Gi-Oh. Any other okay. stories? Okay, I have a. I've got a few. I got a magic story. Uh-oh, let's hear it. Well, it's not very um like. Not controversial. Yeah, not controversial. Oh, it's I guess it could be controversial the manner you're looking at it. Okay. Uh, Magic the Gathering announces their second collection of My Little Pony cards. Okay. I don't. I don't. I didn't realize there was a first one. I feel like I might. I thought. I think I saw one of those cards, and I thought it was like an oracle or something. Hmm. So what's special about these? Uh, so let's see. It says, "Magic the Gathering is once again hitting a trail to become Magic the Galloping." The popular oh, tabletop trading card game is making a return to trip to a very different making. Oh, making a return trip to a very different fantasy world for another highly unlikely, highly adorable collection. For the second time, a Magic the Gathering secret layer drop will drop in on My Little Pony. And just like before, it's going to saddle up for a very good cause. I hate this writer. (laughs) Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro have announced a follow-up to their original 2019 My Little Pony Magic Cart release with... 
Ponies the Galloping 2. Okay. The new set includes cards for popular colorful cuties, Applejack, Fluttershy, Pinkie Pie, and Rainbow Dash. They come from illustrators Rudy Suswanto, John Thacker, and Anna Steinbauer. And although they are not tournament legal, each card boasts unique mechanics. So these aren't uh, normal magic cards given a like alternative art to be a pony. These are their own legendary creatures. Awesome. I mean, I don't know that I'll be playing. The uh, I mean, like... But no, I, I'm you know I'm I'm being bitter. Um, no, that, that's cool. I mean, like I I'm not I'm not like a My Little Pony fan. I know there are a lot of people who are, so I'm not you know not knocking that. If I had to give credit to Magic for one thing, is that they do their collabs. They really they do. do. I mean, like this this they're just always doing a new one. I'm just wondering if if anyone did, did, did people want this? Probably so, actually, because they're doing another. Like if if they did it once. And it failed, they just wouldn't do it again. That's true. So, that's like, true. it's... So, I mean, there must have been a fairly popular one. And it brings me kind of back to my always Yu-Gi-Oh thing. Like, man, it'd be nice if Yu-Gi-Oh could do a little bit of, like, some crossover. I know they can't, because, like... My Little Pony? Anything. It can be, you can put them in a uh, Pirelli deck. Yeah, like, I'll take My Little Pony. I'll take anything. My Little Pirelli. My Little Pirelli. I mean, that's, that's the name of one of the cars, My Pal Pirelli. That's pretty close. So... Yeah, like, I don't know. I think Yu-Gi-Oh could afford to do a little bit more because, like, it feels like there's no real limit to what Magic will like collab with. I know, like, they did the Smite thing, which technically was like, more on the Smite side, but you were talking about that last week. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, they're doing Lord of the Rings, Doctor Who, or something is what they're supposed to be doing. I heard like next. I don't know. There's so many. There is a lot. Going like, they just, on. it's like it's interesting because like Doctor Who and like Lord of the Rings are such disparate things. And yet, like... They can exist in the same space. They can space. kind of coexist. And then My Little Pony is even more disparate than those. All right, wait a minute. So I was looking at these cards, uh-uh. and, okay, I got to talk about them, because, like, I mean, the artwork's cute or whatever, but the the effects definitely tell you that um, these are definitely not, like, legal cards. Oh, they're, like, super strong? Or, like, super bad? Here, here, all right, here we go. So this is Fluttershy. Uh, it costs like three mana, one green, one white. Legendary Pegasus Defender flying. All right, look. This costs one mana to use. You put a plus one plus count plus one counter on each creature with a tail. Target player controls. Oh, it's those type of things where it's stare like down up to one target creature until end of turn. It can't attack or block as long as you're looking directly at it. Okay, so it's like, you know what that reminds me of is those old Pokemon cards where it would be like, uh, if it's your birthday, like this Pikachu is stronger, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I like that. I think that a few joke cards like that every now and again doesn't hurt anyone. Like, we should, we could we could afford a few more. Like, I don't even know what this one means. So Pinkie Pie's got, whenever you cast a spell with a smile... In its art, create a tapped treasure token. It has an ability, every pony's invited. Your party consists of each creature you control, and your party is always full. What does that mean? I don't know. Maybe I, maybe we got to pick up a few My Little Pony cards. You're going to grab some or what? Uh, we'll, we'll see. But last but not least... Is Rainbow Dash. I actually remember hearing this one's name before. This is the pony I'm most familiar with. 
So this one says it's a Pegasus. I don't know what the difference is, but this one's a Pegasus. As flying haste, whenever a creature you control with flying and or haste attacks, you get 20% cooler. And in parentheses, it says you start at 0% coolness. Oh, you're going to get cooler. So every uh, every time you attack with a, uh, a creature that has flying or haste, 20% cooler. It's a it's ability Sonic Rain Boom. If you're at least 100% cool, add Ooh. one of each color type of mana, draw a card, and then reset your coolness. Okay. <laughs> it's you're not so cool after you get a strong effect like that. But yeah, uh, a card that makes you cool. Makes you mad. Kinda, I mean, it kind of makes you jealous. I don't play these games and actually get fun cards. Meanwhile, Yu Gi Oh! is just like, man. We have fun cards. We got floodgates. Remember Heart? He was fun. True. He was a good time. His coolness meter was off the charts. Mm, so cool. I'm going to miss that guy. Well, how's this? Pokemon TCG YouTuber banned by CGC for revealing embarrassing quality control. Who's CGC? It's a grading company. Um, so, oh. a Pokemon TCG YouTuber. Landed in some hot water with grading company CGC after manually cutting cards to test CGC's credibility and receiving a near flawless grade. CGC is now threatening legal action. What they would they would grade the card then he'd cut it. Uh, well, we're gonna read the story and get to the bottom of it. P- okay. Pokemon TCG collection is a pretty serious business for some, and the verification of cards by trusted graders is integral to its ecosystem. TCG cards in general can go for millions of dollars and even. Ex-NFL players can try to scam people with them. I guess that's another story. Anyway, um, within the TCG collector community, a niche group is interested in factory errors that can increase the value of seemingly worthless cards by up to 10 times. Errors like misprints or miscuts, where a machine misaligned the card and removes a portion, are highly sought after and need to be graded for authenticity. Pokemon TCG YouTuber Shiny Vert tested the quality control at Major Grader CGC by sending them some manually cut cards which they certified as factory errors. After posting the results to his YouTube channel, CGC banned him from future grading and sent, quote, threatening legal documents. Wow. Um, in a follow-up video, Shiny Vert detailed his banning and the subsequent threats of legal action for what he says is CGC's mess-up. Y'all say you check the cards and do whatever to test them, he says. Y'all graded these as error cards, not me. You put your logo on it. You put your label on it. You put them in cases and send it back to me. Um, he then read through a strongly worded email detailing his ban and his responsibilities as someone with a great Pokemon TCG card containing clerical errors. Yeah, so they're trying to kind of, I guess, shut him up. But he made, I guess, fake miscuts. Yeah, fa- yeah he cut his own cards. And he was like, let's see what they'll say. And they're like, yep, these are these are totally legit. And it's like, well, that's BS. Which does speak to, I mean, I think they, they kind of come out not looking great here. No, no. I mean, it look, that makes you look horrible. Because not only is, well, go ahead, sorry. Because, like, a grader's, like, reputation. Is effectively is, everything. Yeah, it's everything. Like, you're trusted to authenticate these cards. Your word makes a card worth cents or, like, thousands. And... Just a random YouTuber. I mean, I don't know how random this YouTuber is, but some YouTuber was like, I'm going to put y'all to the test, and you were found lacking. You were found lacking in 4K. Not to mention trying to, like, shut him up. 
Like, yeah, we're going to threaten legal action. Like, I mean, come on. Like, he he sent he sent these, like, you know, cards in, and you guys, like, made a mistake, and now you're... And he, like, he told people about it, but, like, I don't know that he... I mean, listen, I'm I mean, not a lawyer, but, like... They can't admit... I don't really know what they can do. Or at least they... They they won't admit to having done anything wrong. Yeah. So then now that means he has to have done something wrong. So they're for for them they're framing it as he he scammed them. I think what they're the angle they're probably taking is that like he was doing it to try to profit from the cards, like from the fact that they were listed as miscuts. And even and if he were, I mean, there. like he said, they were the ones who authenticated. Like, yeah. So he just says, "I would highly recommend that you be extremely careful with this company." He called CCG the worst fucking company he's ever seen, and reiterated what he sees as the problem. I put a spotlight on something that shouldn't be happening, and they banned me. And they're not even considered the worst like grading company. I mean, yeah, I don't know too much about CGC. I know like PSA is kind of the big one. I know um, Beckett is like another kind of big one. So, hope that, I mean, this isn't great PR for them. It's not a great look. Hopefully they uh, at least drop the charges and just kind of admit wrongdoing and carry on. Because my thing is, if if they can't properly identify a miscut, how reliable is a grade 10 from that company? Right, that's true. But yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. Um, hopefully he, you know, is he's okay, and hopefully they just kind of admit, like, hey, we messed up. And maybe they can recover from it. Nah, they to. cooked. I don't know. They cooked. So that's my story. Anything else? Let's see. I have... I don't know. It disappeared. Here we go. I have an AI story. Oh, okay. It's been a while. Yeah, I brought this, I brought this one because we're YouTubers. And this is about AI and YouTube. Okay. So... YouTube has announced it's rolling out four new artificial intelligence-powered tools to simplify the content creation process. Oh, all right. I saw this headline this morning. I didn't read too far into it. Let's hear it. So these include AI Insights, which produces new video ideas based on what creators' audiences are watching. Dream Screen, a generative AI tool that allows YouTube Shorts users to create unique backgrounds by typing in a prompt. Assist, assistive search for creator music, which suggests so- soundtracks for videos, and Allowed, a dubbing, a dubbing tool that translates videos into various languages. Cool. All right. Let's take them one by one. All right. So the first one was AI Insights. And this is the one that actually made me want to talk about it mm-hmm. because it produces video ideas based on what your audience is watching. I mean, as a YouTuber, I like it. I think it's, like, a little creepy, but, like, not too creepy. It's a little, little, it's interesting, the idea of using AI for ideation. Mm -hmm. Using, and what AI is doing is it's going through your audience's watch history. Right. And I guess at the and it just starts spitballing ideas based on that, just combining concepts and looking at trends. I mean, in a way, it's kind of, I guess you have to admit, like, from the YouTuber angle, it's kind of what 
a lot of us have always like wanted, you know, because like YouTube is this thing where you take a big risk with like every new video, independent, like it obviously varies a lot by genre and space, but like you might be taking a big risk with like videos, like will this one land? Will this one bomb? Nobody likes a 10 out of 10 video. Yeah. Like, you know, we've experienced plenty of that ourselves. And like, sometimes you have like, you know, kind of droughts where things don't feel like they're going well. Then other times you're riding really high, but it would always be great to have, um, you know, something that does kind of generate what Google thinks are these guaranteed bangers. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously the onus is still on you to actually make the video good, make a good thumbnail, make a good, you know, yeah, you can't just, the AI won't make the video. It just gives you the idea. Yet. But, um, so give it time. But, you know, like, I think that's a, a relatively harmless feature. Like, it doesn't really feel bad. I think the creepiest thing you could say about it is maybe just this whole, like, idea that, like, what we as, like, people are interested in is now kind of just being, you know, curated by an AI. Like, that. there's, like, something, something creepy in that. There's something a little disturbing about the idea that the an AI will then t- will start telling creators, hey, this is what your audience wants to watch next. It's kind of like the AI has us figured out in such a if it's if it's good at yeah. this, right? That means AI can just figure us out and know what we want to watch before we want to watch it. Yeah, know what we want to watch before we want to watch it. I mean, and also like just like here's what will make them laugh. Like here's what yeah, we'll, you, know, you know, like here's all you took at the hard strings. And then I, I wonder, you know, YouTube. One of the kind of core tenets for a good YouTube video and a YouTuber is authenticity. How authentic can you be if the AI, if like if the yeah, idea is from AI? Idea. Yeah, uh, listen, it's a little creepy. You know what's the next feature? All right, so next oh, up, but I'll use it. <laughs> <laughs> next up is Dream Screen, like green screen, but Dream Screen. Yeah, so this is for shorts, right? Like yeah, kinda like, so it just kind of lets some um, you enter in a prompt, and it will generate like a background for your video. Now. So this is something that we have seen, like, on other apps, sort of. Like, TikTok has always been able to let you, like, you know, replace background with something. But I don't think we've ever really seen... Like, on Photoshop, there's, like, generative fill, where you can kind of type in a prompt, and it'll just literally, like, generate... Oh, I didn't know ...a steak dinner or something. I don't know. I've never used it. It's a little wonky. It doesn't always work well, but sometimes it does. This is cool, though. What do you think? I mean... It's just a thing to me. I haven't used one of those types of programs before, or so I, I don't have much to go off of. I was confused on how it would work if you'd have to shoot on a green screen in order to be separated enough from the video. No, I, I doubt that you do because nowadays with like TikTok and stuff, you don't need green screens. It's just kind of technology to just sort of cut you out. It doesn't look very professional, but like it's TikTok. It doesn't have. Yeah, it doesn't to have to be. Thing. I mean, even so. on YouTube, we're not necessarily looking for the highest production value in the world. Just yeah. decent. So I mean that's a cool just Marvel feature. level, just Marvel level. <laughs> Ouch! We gotta start talking about Marvel in this podcast. I've been watching some of these shows, man. They we gotta start dogging out Marvel. Listen, I don't want to be a Marvel hater, but if we had a segment, it might I'm not look, be all, positive. All I'm saying, guys, is Paul was like, "I want to watch Blue Beetle," but then like I've never heard him say he wants to watch a Marvel movie. Never. What's a DC movie? Or do you mean like I'm finally it's just so sick of Marvel that I'm willing to watch a DC yep. movie? Okay. He's a DC fanboy. Now all I'm gonna say is like Secret Invasion wasn't great. It wasn't. Anywho, though, back to this. Yeah, I mean, this isn't really a feature that interests me as much, at least not right now. Like, you're not a shorter. I'm not really like a short person. I mean, I want to make some, like we did do a bit with YouTube shorts, um, like kind of did you know sort of Yu-Gi-Oh videos. 
And I would like to find a few more shorts to like do again or to do more of, but this feature doesn't seem like it would really be. That's fair. Weren't you having trouble with the uh, YouTube music library the other day? Yeah, I mean, I don't. That new YouTube music library beta. I know this is like very inside baseball. Well, now they have assistive search. Listening. Uh, so when you say assistive search, so I wonder what what it is. Like it'll suggest songs or like a soundtrack for yeah. a video. I'm not sure how it does that. So how does it do that? Like do you upload the video like just with no music and they just kind of hear what's being said and it kind of thinks. I, that one more so than all the rest of these, I wish they'd gone into detail on how it works in the article. Because I'm very curious how that works myself. Yeah, I'll have to see what I can find out about that because I um, it sounds in, like it sounds like technically the most interesting thing so far, just because it's like actively like assisting in the video creation process. Like, you know, like it's like here's the music that will add the to- the proper tone and like mood to your video. But I'll have to see this in action. See, I'm more interested in allowed. The dubbing tool that will trans that will just live translate videos. That's also that's actually really interesting too. My only problem with like an AI dubbing tool is what happens when it's wrong. What if it makes me say something that is like horrible? I hope there's an indication that's like some sort of a disclaimer that like this was just auto dubbed or AI dubbed and not like you. Because like I don't want to like like drop like expletives in other languages. I want to choose the sales expletives. All right, you heard me, YouTube. If I curse, I want to be on purpose. I want to be, like, mindful about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's also a pretty handy feature. They are, I will give YouTube this. Those are what I would say, and I know it's always kind of a blurry line, but I think all four of those features really kind of feel like they are on the more ethical side of AI, of the AI conversation. Woo! Taking a stand here, huh? Yeah, that's right. Well, well right. no, no, I just think, Paul's you know, like, on the side of big Google. <laughs> You know, like, there's always kind of this whole, like, AI is, like, stealing people's art and stealing, you know. So when did you start stuff? loving Google and hating Elon Musk? Wow. But, yeah, I um, I think that th- th- these are, like, helpful features that don't feel harmful, like, really. Mm. And they could be fun. And what do you think? Wow. Wow. Mark Zuckerberg would be sickened by you. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think these are all right. As far as like AI horror stories go, uh, I haven't seen too many interesting ones lately. So um, these are definitely on the uh, yeah, like they're not horror stories. Yeah, they're on the right side of baseball field. But don't worry, guys. I'm looking for more horror stories. There are some. They just weren't that interesting to me. Yeah, um, I saw something on Twitter uh, where like people were mad at the dual logs because he used AI in a video recently. You know, like, he does, like, top tens and, like, kind of just top ten, like, level what, seven What did he AI? So he had, like, his throat kind of had gone out. He'd been sick for the last, like, week or so. And he did, like, a video uh, where it's just he had the AI trained on his own voice and, like, read the script for the video. And Oh, that's so interesting. I thought that was kind of neat. But, like, people were upset. They're like, don't do this anymore. This is so disappointing. Like. It's don't, evil don't AI. Is use bad. AI on his own voice. Yeah, so I thought this wasn't a really big deal because, like, I mean, he's training the AI on his own voice. So I mean, of course, it has his permission. He's using it in his own videos. Some might say that I guess like you're not no longer putting the effort into the video. Oh, but I, and I guess he could have had he could have paid a voice actor to do it for him. Yeah, I guess he could have, or he could have that, waited. That was a I, job for a voice actor, and he stole it from him. Yeah, no, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think it was like a super big deal. I actually thought it like, kind of made me think. Shit, I, should I just start 
doing some top tens with AI Paul voice. I mean, they have plenty to train it on. We do this two hour long podcast. I got to watch the AI uh, duologues video. That's so interesting <laughs> yeah. to me. Uh, people say it kind of sounded a little bit robotic and stuff. So, I mean, like, like it should. It's an AI. Like, although, so here's the thing. Like, listen, I listened to like the first maybe thirty seconds or so of it, and I was like, oh, it sounds convincing enough to me. Like, I, I might not have minded being. What if that wasn't the first video he'd use AI for? What if that it's would only be like that's not what he told people? That would be funny. That'd be how I'd do it. I just wouldn't tell any y'all. <laughs> Get myself an AI on this podcast. Yeah, so I think but as far as the YouTube features go, cool features. Um, I will you try try them out like whenever they're available and report back with my findings. Speaking of findings, what you find? Did you hear about the massive Xbox leak? So there was a a leak. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna just read this because there's a lot. This go is the Kotaku it. article, which I know people don't love Kotaku, but they you reported never tell this. Tell them that you could have told them you got it from W. W-N-G-W. So this week brought us a wonderful treasure trove of leaks from deep inside the highest echelons of Microsoft's Xbox division, accidentally shared online as a result of the company's legal battle with the Federal Trade Commission over its now greenlit Activision acquisition. Uh, You might remember we actually talked about this like earlier this summer. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, these confidential emails, slides, and images of potential new products from the Xbox manufacturer reveal the inner workings of Microsoft's gaming division, as well as whispers of some possible new games from Bethesda. So, um, yeah, basically... What they got, show me. So here are the, the 10 or 11 highlights. Uh, a, or number one, Microsoft considered buying Nintendo. In the leaked emails, wow. Phil Spencer and Microsoft personnel discussed a possible acquisition of Nintendo. At some point, Spencer wrote, getting Nintendo would be a career moment. He speculated that the Japanese games giant could become more open to acquisition offers in the future due to changing pressures on its board of directors. Um, it's just taking a long time for Nintendo to realize that their future exists off of their own hardware, he wrote. A long time. Smiley face. Woo! I mean, ain't wrong. Also reveals that Microsoft thought about purchasing Valve and Warner Bros. games. Okay, next big thing. What does Warner Bros. games have? I mean, they made that one fighting game last year. What, what was that? Oh called? yeah, Multiverses. Multiverses, and they might there might be other things that they make. I don't know what else they got. Did they make Hogwarts Legacy? I mean, I know the development team was like Portkey Games, but I don't know if they made that. I don't know. No clue. Either way, Bethesda might be working on an Oblivion remaster. Oh, that's a surprise. Yeah, the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Well, I guess we shouldn't be surprised of any remasters in this space. Yeah, so that's kind of a thing. And the next one, uh, Phil Spencer says, AAA game publishers lost their mojo. Interesting. Phil Spencer stated that, quote, AAA publishers were slow to react to the disruption of digital storefronts like Steam and the shops built into Xbox and PlayStation. Um, in a leaked email, Spencer wrote that third-party publishers were unable to replicate the dominance they established back in the days of video game retail. After losing their advantage of highly exclusive access to consumers in brick-and-mortar stores, they have, quote, not found a way to effectively cross-promote. They have not found a way to build publisher brands that drive consumer affinity the way that Disney has in video. Um, he notes that instead they've adopted a strategy of making huge bets on highly expensive prestige projects relying on those risky all-in bets to establish and maintain publisher brands. He concluded that, quote, the role of a AAA publisher has changed and become less important 
in today's gaming industry. He could just say cyberpunk. Like, he could just say it out loud. I, I don't yeah. know why he's beating around the bush here. I think he's right on this point. I mean, like, I do feel like the way that AAA games have been sort of talked about and received these days is does feel different than, like, maybe 10 years ago or so. What is the definition of a AAA game? I don't fucking know. Because I feel like years ago, back in, like, 2014, 2015, I would point to, like, anything, like, Ubisoft made, anything mm. Activision or Blizzard made... I think in a lot of people's eyes, those are still what the AAA games kind of are. But, like, I think it's... I don't have, like, a hard, fast definition. I would love to hear what people kind of describe as a AAA game. Tell I mean, us. What do, you, what do you think a AAA game is? Because I think, like, any time it's just a game that sort of... It sounds like bullshit, but my best way to put it is you can kind of just feel it. Like, you can kind of just tell. Wow, that really was bull. Yeah, like it's kind of BS. <laughs> I mean, you can, like... You know, like, when a game's coming out, it's just getting a lot of marketing hype and stuff. Like, it's like, oh, okay, this must be a AAA game. I wouldn't know because I'm not the one buying these games. Like, I don't buy this shit. Paul doesn't buy games. Like I said, the last, like, video game that I purchased this year was, like, Hogwarts nope. Legacy. So, I mean, that's it. What? I'm trying to keep us from getting canceled, and you just keep running straight towards I it. love Hogwarts Legacy. What? So. I, guys, uh, that is not, he is lying. Like, I mean, I think, like, in terms of AAA games that were released this year that I can think of, I know people have said Starfield is supposed to kind of be one. That's Starfield. on Xbox. Yeah, um, that's fair. That's fair. Spider-Man's, like, coming out, and that kind of feels like that's, like, a AAA game. But Spider-Man always hits. What's that one? So, Baldur's Gate? I don't know if it's, like, a AAA game, but people talk about it a lot. I don't... But, see, Baldur's Gate's one of those games where it really got hype after it released or like right. after like the initial like reviews came in that's true um because they were to me that game reminds me a lot of um like uh when genshin impact came out it didn't mm-hmm. have a whole lot of hype before it released then it released and it was crazy it kind of sounds like armored core as well i know that i don't know if that's like a triple a game but it, I mean, it's from soft so got i got mean, the vibe zelda tears of the kingdom Came out this year. I know people said that would that would fit. I feel like nothing on Nintendo should count. Wow, ouch! It's not a AAA console. Is it, what is a AAA, AAA console? Does it have to have good graphics? Yes. Switch sold PlayStation and Xbox, so I mean, oh, I guess that's true. I don't yeah, know. Now, Final Fantasy sixteen. Yeah, that's okay. kind of a, yeah, a triple A high budget sort of thing, and like, I think the only other thing from earlier this year would be like Hogwarts Legacy. I don't know. If there's wow. anything else that stop so. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Anyway, that's what he says. So, are no fighting games AAA? So that's a, that's a good question. Like, I think that I would say like Street Fighter Six is a AAA title, and so far as Mortal like Combat One just came out. Yeah, maybe that maybe the standards change by genre. Like, what is kind of defined as a AAA fighting game might be different than what like a AAA racing game or adventure or action. I don't play video games very much. In case you guys can't tell. Okay, next he says, Microsoft expected a Red Dead Redemption 2 next-gen refresh. But this did not happen. I would say, where? <laughs> yeah, they expected it to happen in 2022. It didn't happen. Three quarters of Xbox gamers had a Series S. So, um, basically... I don't know what that means. You know, there's like the Xbox Series X and Series S. Well, the Series X is like kind of the big, you know, PS5 equivalent console from Microsoft. Okay. The Series S is kind of like the nerfed, sort of more like lower spec version so it, it's like a um it's a difference between like a flagship phone mm-hmm. and like a step beneath a couple yeah a step or two beneath okay but okay. it's like cheaper and better maybe value for the average person 
So um, I don't have like a Series X or an S, but I will say that the S is it's significantly cheaper. I know it's like a how much three hundred dollars I believe compared to like the Series X costing like five hundred. And How much a PS5 um, cost? I own one. PS5 is four hundred for the discless and five hundred I think for the disc. I paid five hundred. Maybe I don't know how much you paid. Either way, I forgot, y'all. That that was like right off the. That was during or at, no during the pandemic, y'all. I don't know what I was spending on. Yeah, the, Trump was sending us checks. It was a crazy time. Yeah, um, the low power discless Series S actually makes up the majority of units sold. So um, as of April 2022, 74.8% of Xbox Series owners were gaming on a Series S. Does that mean Xbox owners have no taste? Uh, listen, you can, <laughs> I don't really, um, yeah, but basically 75% of people just got like kind of the cheaper, better value machine is the, is mm. the basically what I got, they I got another one. So 75% of Xbox owners are poor. Maybe so. Although if you're poor, you probably can't get either of these things. Or at least you probably too. shouldn't be. I don't know why I'm still Maybe taking that the side bad. in the console war. I, I basically just play on PC now. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I don't listen to Alec. He's just saying things. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I should take that back. I'm not saying that, like, if you're... I guess I just... I don't know. Sometimes when I think of how, like, these expensive these products even are, it's, like, a little weird. Do you ever it get is, that? I mean, that's why I kind of was... Like, I exclaimed at how much I spent on that PS5. Like, I really paid $500 for that machine that I use once every month. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, the same as smartphones to me, too. Like, I mean, technically, I use my phone every day, so you could argue that spending a bazillion dollars on it is worth it. But sometimes I'm like, man, I could probably just not, like... Yo, I get mad whenever I see one of those $1,000 phones. Yeah, that's like, crazy. It's become common for for phones to be $1,200. Like, 1200 Hundred. I bought an entire computer for that. Now, some people do feel the Xbox Series S's large install base is actually causing headaches for developers because it kind of maybe some people feel that it limits how ambitious they can be with like graphics and performance on next gen games right. because they have to make sure that it still is able to run on that Series S and so that's whole thing. It's interesting that they made the uh, S and the X because I know for the PS Five they've been scaling back. Um, games being made for the ps4 because when the ps5 came out the production was so low or yeah production was so low and distribution was so horrible that the vast majority of ps5 games were available on ps4 as well yeah kind of these cross-generation but specifically games. in the last two years i've seen a drastic fall off of development for the ps4 i've seen games get dlc and expansions that only work on a ps5 even if the a base game was on the PS4 too. I mean, I think most people prefer that it kind of be left in the dust because they want like they and want these the big next gen experiences. Unless but, you're an Xbox owner. But yeah, so either way, um, Microsoft dramatically underestimated Baldur's Gate three. Microsoft did not seem to think that the D and D RPG would amount to much in leaked comments. They estimated a $5 million expense to get the game on Game Pass, justifying the low monetary amount by describing Baldur's Gate 3 as a, quote, second-run Stadia PC RPG. <laughs> wow. But, though, to, to be fair, on paper, without, without having looked at how Baldur's Gate plays, it doesn't seem to be the most impressive thing in the world. I think Baldur's Gate won people over with 
It's visuals. Really, plus, I haven't seen too much of it. Because Baldur's Gate looks really for it looks really good, like graphics wise. You know, for like a an RPG mm-hmm. kind of game. But um, you know, any game in that genre will give you a multitude of choices. None of them are going to look as good doing it. And I think that's where Baldur's Gate pushes through. For a lot me, of people, I feel like saw it was that like customization stuff. stuff. Like I saw people like, were just making characters. You can you can make characters, but there's lots of games of character creation. True. Baldur's Gate looks distinctly better doing it than its competition. Phil Spencer wasn't impressed by the PS5 reveal. So in an email to Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella, uh, Phil Spencer described the Xbox Series X and S line as a quote. Better product than what Sony has, not just on hardware, but equally important on the software platform and services. He continued, we have the ingredients of a winning plan. Today was a good day for us. That's what he said, like, I guess when the PS5 was well, revealed. He kind of has to say that, right? He's just, he can't, can't say, yo, they got us on this one. Yeah, that's true. I think, like, this is one of those things that's included in this article, just because it fans the flames of the fan, you know. The yeah, this is a console wars. war. See, he was wrong because the PS5 outsold. Anyway. Uh, Microsoft accidentally got a, quote, exclusive Sega game. As the next-gen consoles launched in 2020, fans of Sega's long-running Yakuza series were surprised that its latest entry, the RPG Like a Dragon, was available on Xbox Series X and S, but not PS5. What was up? Um, Apparently, Microsoft was just as surprised, and it turns out the reason for Like a Dragon landing on Xbox first was due to two competing regional exclusivity agreements Sega made essentially short-circuited each other. The result... Xbox players ate well while PlayStation fans wept into their dual senses. <laughs> I love these writers today. <laughs> they cried into our dual sense controllers. The Xbox Series X might go all digital in 2024. So we didn't get we didn't just get scans of emails from very serious people. We also got some images and details of possible forthcoming hardware including a cylindrical-shaped Xbox Series X that won't include a disk drive. Have you seen this image, by the way? No. Okay, cool. Cylindrical. I'm gonna... Is it like our pot? Not that kind of cylindrical, but um, here's this picture. I'll try to put it on the screen if I can remember, but like that's the... That looks like a Bluetooth speaker, and I refuse to believe it's anything else. Yeah. It's Do I say, to be hey, like Alexa? A, a Series X refresh that's going okay, to... Okay, Google. Wow. It's going to deliver 4K Gen 9 console gaming with more internal storage, faster Wi-Fi, reduced power, and a more immersive controller, plus a beautiful redesign that elevates the all-digital experience of the Xbox ecosystem. Wasn't the Xbox Series X and S supposed to be all digital? I mean, you know, I think they have a disk drive on them. No, but, like, I remember when, like, early early on before it released, wasn't it touted as supposed to be this like all like twenty four seven just digital? Well, but I mean, like I think this is like there literally will not be physical games. Period is like their goal because like on the Series X and S they still have. Like, oh no, I'm thinking it was perpetually online. Like it had to. Yeah. Online. Oh, oh, you're thinking of like way back before the Xbox One yeah. when there was like. The, oh, is that before the one? The DRM stuff oh, back wow. in like twenty twelve or whatever. The year years, it was. the pandemics, like it did things. To this was before the pandemic. I don't care what you say. No, guys, I get my Xbox Reduced stuff confused. PSU power one. by 15%, new low power standby mode, um, recyclable packaging. A bunch of nice things. So, um, Recyclable packaging. Yeah, it's supposed to be like this thing. Um, codenamed Brooklyn. The leaked data indicates that the possible hardware refresh will include more internal storage, faster Wi-Fi, reduced power, and a more immersive controller. 
Um, it looks like a trash can, some people say. Wow. So... <laughs> Those were Sony fanboys who said that one. Next major point is that the Xbox could get a fancy new controller. The image of a controller codenamed Sebel shows a two-tone color design and promises modular thumbsticks. Let me see it. And features that many a PlayStation fan have known for a few years now. Lift to wake, precision haptic feedback, and accelerometer. Let Let's have see. a look at this picture if I can load it up here. I'll, I'll accept nothing. Here is the picture. A... I'll put it on the screen if I... Can. This was new. Yeah, I mean, like it doesn't. You know, this doesn't look like a freaking Stadia controller. This doesn't look to me. This doesn't look different enough from current Xbox controllers. I'm sorry. Well, maybe it's like more in the build and the features doesn't come through in the image. It might be the. Well, I mean, the, the author made it sound like this is going to be some drastically like new thing. Well, I think it's more like the leaked documents have to suggest that it would be a new thing because it's Microsoft documents. They're of course they're going to say anything. That's they're true. Making. They it's have like to make amazing. it sound like it is. Not to say that I think it's bad. I just think it's. it's Listen, I'm not. What if the document's like, yeah, so we we, we just reskin the old controller. Like we're gonna tell people it's it's new and happening, but really And finally, Microsoft sees its next Xbox as a cloud hybrid machine. Slides projecting the future of the Xbox platform indicate that Microsoft is very much looking into the cloud to help power its post Xbox Series XS console, for which it's looking at a twenty twenty eight release date. That's uh that's like four years from now. Um, they describe such a machine as a next-generation hybrid game platform develop, capable of leveraging the combined power of the client and the cloud to deliver deeper immersion and entirely new classes of game experiences. Boy, your internet's better be strong, yeah. Like, you yeah, can't you have, have a hiccup or... No, fucking, what, what is Ethernet it? Ethernet cables uh, only, no more Wi-Fi. We're, we're, we're dead in Wi-Fi. The... What is the name of that, like, the really fast internet? You oh, you got to get that fiber optic. Fiber, yeah, yeah, get, get the cables put fiber. in. Yeah. Call, go ahead, call your, your ISP, tell them put the cables on the ground. You don't care how much it costs. Because if you're going to run whatever that is, now, um, you're going to need Starlink. Phil Spencer went on to say that he was really upset that the leaks got revealed, saying that it was, quote, hard to see our team's work shared this way. He's responding to the leaks in the leaks? No, 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 no. This is like just his Twitter from oh. like yesterday or something. <laughs> so, I mean, what do you think about these Xbox reveals? They sound interesting. I, I'll give it that. I, I like the um, look of the new um, or the prototype Xbox that may or may not come to fruition. It looks like a uh, digital one of those little digital assistant deals. Yeah, I mean, so as someone who won't be buying any of it, um, you could stay in the game more. I could, but I mean, I play on a PC if I want to. I think it looks neat. I I would say that the. Uh, it does suck that something like this had to get leaked because, you know, there is one thing I, I genuinely do not care much for in the gaming space in particular is leak culture. But did like, you just read us a bunch of leaks? Yeah, I did. I'm just saying culture? that I don't like I'm able to kind of distance myself from this just because like I don't I'm, I'm not an Xbox gamer, but I do feel bad for developers when this stuff happens. Like, you know, you're working on this stuff and it's not really finalized or whatever. And it gets like leaked to the public and. A way you didn't intend, so that sucks, but... And who's to say these are even the most, like, updated plans, or even if these things are even happening? Mm -hmm. A lot of of stuff could just be old, and it was never meant to see the light of day. Yeah, so hopefully this doesn't, you know, negatively affect them. Hopefully things turn out okay. We're a podcast. We just cover the news. I am not a big Xbox gamer, but for those of you in the comments who are, I would love to hear what you have to say about And why do you own a Series S instead of an X? It's cheaper. That's why I would buy one. 
I didn't buy a PS5 because it's cheaper. You never choice, did you? you I did. Play Final Fantasy sixteen. Yeah, if I wanted to play the new games, I had to do it. I never choice. Anyways, yeah. So that's Xbox. Um, hope they can recover from this massive blow. All right. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, thoughts and prayers. You got anything else? Uh, no, I'm good. Well, that's great because that means it's time to do some pod of greed We're questions. We're going to dig in the pot. Yeah, grab you some uh, All right. whatever's oh, inside I of there. One. I had one. I we do have it. new uh, questions and comment prompts and stuff from you guys. And we appreciate deep. that you submitted them. Okay, got one. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Oh, you have something juicy? So what archetype would you hate to see as like a meta deck? Hate to see as a meta deck? Yeah. What so an interesting question. So think of like the worst archetype you can imagine that you just would hate for this to be like strong and the most popular strategy in Yu-Gi-Oh. Hmm. Oh, I guess in a weird way it happened. My answer was going to be Ojama. But like Cash Tira. Have- oh, yeah, I guess that's true in a way. Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Okay, so. I'm trying to think, what's my second worst then? Which one do I have? Uh, so, I would be very unhappy if Gravekeepers were meta. That's a good one. I'm going like, to go with the same thing. Yeah, if Gravekeepers were like. Actually, just like we're comboing you somehow, and like, like they got Necrovalley on board. They have that spell that stops you from, um, yeah, uh, with the, like the floodgate so special one, summoning right? and stuff. Yeah. yeah, if if Imperial Tomb <laughs> and all that stuff. If Dude, they were meta, <laughs> yeah, they actually like kind of overtuned the cards because with Gary Keepers, you can always tell they're really like they dial back a lot of the balance on those cards to really just they're not great, but. Yeah, if Gravekeepers were like comboing and just had strong bosses and like all that stuff, they yeah, that'd be very annoying. Necrovalley Arise Heart. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> Necrovalley could be a lot worse than it is. So, especially if they kind of, I don't know, I just feel like they could, if that was designed in like 2023 or something, it could just be so much nastier than it is. So. It'll be called Necrovalley's uh, Gravekeeper, and it's a uh, rank. Or and just does some crazy fucking shit. Just says you can't do anything. Your hands locked. Your fields locked. Your graves locked. Nothing. You just can't breathe. If it leaves the field for any reason, it like floats into two other two more. Creatures. And like they also are all getting effects on summon and they float. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I mean, I would say gravekeepers probably. I think honestly, anytime that with that question, any of those like kind of weak stun decks that kind of try to be stun or whatever and control you know whatever term decks that use. want to be rude but they're just too they're too balanced like uh i remember like evil swarms back in the day and decks like that they were oh just, wow. I, for- I always forget about evil swarm i will say i also fear the day that like dark worlds like to so get like effects like, you know like dark worlds as it is now they just kind of summon over and over and, and this kind of get big and swing like they have a hand loop so like technically you could say that there's that but like but their monsters never really have effects on the field for the most part. They just kind of look so effects are be, far and few in between. I think they could definitely be like they could go a lot harder on that between. on the hand disruption element of it. Like if Konami really wanted to dial it up, like the obnoxiousness. All right, my question is tips for traveling to Japan. Oh, seeing as we were able to go to you know the we Yu-Gi-Oh! were there. WCS. All right, my first tip is don't get locked in a small white room. 
No. Um, hmm. All right. My number one tip for Japan is bring cash. Like not 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 like American dollars, but I mean like yen. Because um, there are some things that you can pay for. With yeah, like- there are a lot of opportunities that you can will completely miss out on if you only have like your credit card or your Suica card or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, but actually, here's my second tip: get a Suica card. Yeah, definitely get that. That card go. is amazing. Very handy. Um, grab a pocket Wi-Fi or something. Oh yeah, pocket Wi-Fi. The um, as far as cultural things though, like because that's I feel like that's all just kind of more like trip prep stuff. Yeah, you can find that online. As far as like you know, actually kind of living it or whatever. I mean, we were only there for like a week, but I would say, you know, be polite. Yeah, don't be stuff. the loud American. Yeah, like don't be. Yeah, don't be the obnoxious kind of like foreigner who's just screaming and yelling and being rude. Like people in Japan, at least from our experiences, were very you know polite and people kind of just are. They're respectful. They keep to themselves. So respectful. When I would sit down in trains, people would get up to like give me more room. Yeah. So just try to be like, um, yeah, just be respectful. I think that that would be my biggest thing. And uh, Google Translate can certainly be your friend. I use it many times. Yeah. The reason I have a pocket Wi-Fi. Yeah. Very so good reason. That'd be it. And if you're trying to go there specifically for Yu-Gi-Oh, I would. Uh, I mean, it's probably fine. Yu Gi Oh is the same in every language. Yeah, I think it's it's yeah. I don't know. There's so many card shops. A lot of a lot more card shops in Japan for sure. Like it feels like card gaming. Like that's Yu Gi Oh and every other card game too is just bigger. There was we went we stopped by a card shop and it was mainly a Pokemon card shop. They were actually holding a tournament in Japanese and in English because like I guess uh, there were some English speakers there and they wanted to play but they didn't speak Japanese and so they were they were doing all their announcements in both Japanese and English and I thought that was cool yeah so that's what I would say um just be respectful do your research ahead of time bring some cash like yen you know wear comfortable shoes oh and wear comfortable shoes yeah because you're gonna be walking a lot of walking and if you're going in the summer it's really hot to be fair there's also a lot of sitting on trains so you know it balances itself out yeah comfortable shoes help all right digging in i want this one yeah you say that like you know what it is so would you make a draft cube? I guess another question would be, if I made a draft cube, what would I put in it? So, I personally would not make a draft cube. I don't have the patience or organization to do such a thing. I would. I've considered doing it. I just, I haven't, the, it's hard to kind of sit down and do the balancing for it, but I watched a video. I don't remember who made it, but I, I watched a really good video on like kind of some, Things to like kind of guidelines for if you're like trying to make a draft cube that answered a lot of the questions I had, like, you know, how many of each card do you put into it? Because, mm-hmm. like, if you want a card to show up more, you could put like, say, six of it into a draft cube. Whereas if you don't want it to show up more, maybe there's only like only two. And just how many, what's kind of the ratio of like monster spells, traps, extra deck? So I would like to give it a shot. I had a lot of ideas for it. You can make it a video. Yeah. Like, I thought like a synchro cube or an exes cube or. Something. So I will eventually have to give it a shot. It's just. What if you made a cube and then you just had like, you just had random people from like 
our like local game store have player cube. I thought that could be a fun video. There's a lot of duels to be recording though, because duels are kind of it is a lot difficult to record. But um, I, I feel like it's unfortunate because like I think it would probably be seen as rather niche content. Like I don't think a lot of people would really watch that since there's not as much buy-in. Mm-hmm. But for something to just do on my own time at locals or something, maybe not so bad. Okay. Uh, what about you? I wouldn't make a cube. I just don't have the patience for it. Uh, this, this is not really my jam. There are people who like making games and they like balancing things. I just like to play them. I hear you. That's just me. Now, if I did make a cube, if I did, I would attempt the hardest thing ever, hmm. a pendulum cube. Could that be really be, fun, though, for sure. I, of course. If if I did, I'd pick like the hardest thing possible, and that's what I would pick. I'd, I'd try and make a pendulum one. All right, well, here's our last question. How would you bring kids into Yu-Gi-Oh? Well, it, um, school lets out around, like, uh, 2 p.m., so if you grab them quick, you can drag them to the cart. No. Um, I don't know. Maybe copy the, like, league system that, like, Pokemon and Lor- Lorcana uses. Yeah, I was going to say pretty much the same thing. I know that Yu-Gi-Oh, I feel it's very lacking in... Um, new player onboarding, particularly for youngsters. Um, I think that, like, those league systems are great. I have actually reached out to some of the contacts that I know from Konami in the past and said, like, you guys should probably try to, like, maybe prioritize this for tournament stores. I mean, like, because those systems were basically, like, okay, you sign up, you're part of a league, and you get points for, like, showing up, playing, trading, buying packs, entering, whatever be really cool i've always thought something that would be neat particularly for younger or newer players would be like benefits for like bringing a friend like bring a friend day and in the case of Yu-Gi-Oh, i mean you could even you know they have like the lost art cards Mm -hmm. do something like that where like if i bring a friend and of course they have to like it can't bring the same friend every week or whatever and they have to like enter at least a round of the tournament or something but like you know you bring a friend and you get like a lost art card or some or the equivalent some kind of equivalent of it Maybe stamp the things, right? Like add stamped cards. You know, Digimon I saw did that. A few other card games have Vanguard. I do like the uh, idea of stamping cards. It just makes them. A, it, it doesn't. I don't think it costs a lot. It just makes cards a little special. And we know they can do it because they've been stamping these QCRs. They've been throwing out all year. And Which I think it's a more expensive type of stamping. And speed duel cards have been. I mean, those have been stamped. Even the commons. So like, they, there's definitely like you know they can do it. Yeah, they do that weird that kind of embossing stamp deal. So, yeah, like, stamp that shit and give it out as a prize. And also, um, you know, like, with Yu-Gi-Oh!, it's just something I noticed that Pokemon does a really good job of. is like, they have the sort of player levels on the products. Mm-hmm. It'll be, like, player level one, two, or three. And so, like, starter decks and entryway things are, like, player level one, but maybe the really hard stuff for the hardcore person is, like, level three. Yu-Gi-Oh! could use some of that. I know that, like, just speaking with local game, stop, game like, shop owners, not GameStop owners... Um, that's an issue that they kind of run into is like not really being able to know like what product is for what person and like what are the easy kind of entryway things. What product this year would you give like a, a rating of like one to? Speed Duel Streets of Battle City. Oh, okay. I think would be a great entryway product for people, and I would also say maybe the trap trick structure from earlier in the year is like between a one and a two. Dang. 
what? one or a two? Like in terms of like out of like you know one two three like yeah. beginner intermediate advanced. Oh oh, I thought it was one through ten. Oh, do you mean like my no 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 like oh, okay. okay yeah like I would say yeah I mean I think like trap tricks in terms of ease of access out of ten it was like an eight or something eight or a nine. Oh, I mean the okay. trap tricks deck it plays pretty easy. It's not like a combo deck. The traps kind of help to bring your opponent da- a little bit down to your pace, mm-hmm. so the game doesn't have to end so fast. So I'd say that's really good, and I look forward to seeing what they do with next year's two-player starter deck. It's supposed to be this year, but it's next year. That one's going to be a nine. Hoping. Don't fail us, Konami. Yeah, that's what I would do. I think just league systems and stuff like that is how you kind of build long-term sort of relationships with like card shops and the communities around them. And just because Yu-Gi-Oh! has been, you know, "Quote unquote fine." These last uh, couple decades, we're working the same way. Does it mean that there isn't room for improvement? Yeah, I mean these new card games show up and they're they mean business. So I think Yu Gi Oh could afford some some shakeups, and I think they're just gonna have to because this year hadn't been for a twenty fifth anniversary. <laughs> I don't know if it's Paul have you been feeling the has Yu Gi Oh been Yu Gi Ohing? Have you? I mean, it's a serious question for you. For me. Not from the pot. Not from the pot. Okay. What have you thought of the 25th anniversary this year so far? So I really like the 25th anniversary Neos. Um, Yeah. uh, So yeah, 25th anniversary Neos is a great card. And um, I'm glad I had a chance to um, get copies of it. Okay. What about everything else? Oh, um, I always forget other things happen this year. Um, Would you say it feels like an anniversary year? Uh, well, you know they did release the anniversary collection, the uh, the le- the like le- the legend legacy collection. Was that what it called? Legendary collection, yeah. Legendary collection, yeah. That you know that was a, a kind of a unique product. Um, it didn't print all the sets that I would have liked to see in it. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I it could have been better. I, I don't think that it, they. I think they kind of dropped the ball on it. Like. I just I feel like I'm not it's not to say that's like a train wreck or anything. They didn't do like a magic 30th anniversary kind of debacle thing. That was bad. But I just think that like you know the products have been kind of disparate. It hasn't really felt like an anniversary. It hasn't felt special or like any different than a normal year. If anything, these last few products have kind of underwhelmed a lot of people. It seems. And to me, I think that's like a a big like fumble. Because it's like the twenty fifth, like we gotta make it feel a little bit special. But like those, dude, the Yugi and Kaiba sleeves aren't coming out until next year, dude. I mean, like it, next but like, like I mean, just some sleeves, like yeah. But like it's those little things that add up, right? Like we started doing QCRs and main sets in like Duelist Nexus, but they're gonna do them for four sets, which means it's gonna extend until like next May. But that's not the twenty fifth anniversary year anymore. I don't. Necess- I don't really care for QCR. And what do you think of um, them? The implementation, the look, everything. It's just that uh, it's just Starlight. You mean Diet Starlights? I mean, I don't know if it's because frankly, starlight. I think they, I think Starlights look better. Like, I don't know if it's Diet Diet Starlight, but to me, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I don't know if it was. I don't, the change to me wasn't meaningful enough to give it a new rarity name. I think that they should have done fewer of them. There are a lot like of those things. They randomly a, were like, okay. When they did them in the Legendary Nexus. Collection, cool. They randomly did them with Battles of Legend, of all things. That one, I didn't think they'd be in there. I was surprised. I didn't think, yeah, I didn't think that they really belonged in there. And then even with Duelist Nexus, 
With Starlights, they did like, you know, four cards in the set were Starlight. And then there was a fifth one that was like a reprint, like Hand Trap, you know, Effect Valor, TD Crow. And Duelist Nexus has 25. And it's just like, that's too many. I feel like the only cards that should be getting like quarter century rares are cards that were very impactful in the last 25 years. So I really don't think anything brand spanking new should get a quarter century rare. Well, yes, it technically came out in the first quarter century of the game. It doesn't have any like real prestige yet. It doesn't. I don't think it's earned that. Spot. Yeah, I just think there were too many. Like I, I'm gonna be honest, I just, I think that they could have done fewer and made it feel more special. Maybe there should have been 25. Yeah, 25 throughout the whole year. Yeah, 25 quarter centuries. And then you have flat. to start buying from like you know. Because you can do like one per set, one per every product release or something. Mm-hmm. And then maybe mainline sets get like two and spin-off sets. It's kind of different. Some are promos. And basically it becomes like this big collection. Do you get all 25 quarter century, you know? And like, I don't understand why we did, um, what, Chronicle Magician and quarter centuries in these uh, latest sets. Yeah. It's like, are we chasing Chronicle or are we chasing quarter centuries? Not Chronicle. What is it called? Is it not Chronicle Magician? Oh, that's a different card. You're that's right. Different card. It's like, uh, what was it called? Whatever the new illusion thing is. That, you know. yeah, th- that thing. I don't care for us to be chasing for multiple things in a set. Either chase the new magician guy or chase. Are you, the, are you, are you thinking of like the Bonds of Time and Unity thing? Oh, that one. That's yeah. It. That's that, that, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, there's so many different, like, I just think it, it all feels very jumbled, and I don't think it's been well. As well communicated as it could be. Like, it doesn't feel like anyone, like, we're all kind of on the same page of what we're supposed to be excited about for that. I feel like its implementation is supposed to be along the same lines as, like, 10,000 Dragon. But I say either do 10,000 Dragon or do, like, Quarter Century. Don't do both at the same time. It feels a little, like, money hungry. And I'll give Konami my usual credit. I always give him. I'm sure. You haven't given him credit yet. I'm about to. Don't worry. Uh, I got to show a little bit, right? I, I'm sure that some things were like outside of their control. Or like, you know, certain products or whatever maybe had to get like pushed back or weren't approved in time or just whatever. But I just do, I do think that this 25th anniversary has just not felt particularly like coherent and special. And that's not great i mean it's a bit of a letdown i don't think it's like a, a nightmare it's not the worst thing in the world but like just eh, eh. anywho though that's the pot of greed for this week that's the pot hope you guys enjoyed it let us know in the comments if you thought of any of our different stories sorry if our energy was a little bit low this week um a lot of traveling so it's kind of been wearing me down and you were sick so you got but i'm back ish yeah so we're here we apologize. Um, another kind of longer week as well. Hopefully these maybe become the norm if you guys want them. Anyways. We're, we're trying to work on our four-hour pod. Never. All right. So we'll see you guys in the next one. Past, Past turn. turn.